Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Jaybird Watching here for the Wednesday Wallop. Hi, I'm Craig Borden, and with me, as always, my best buddy, Brendan Panikar. How's it going, my friend? Good, Craig. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. It's actually, like, feels like spring here <laughs> for a change. Yeah, here too. And as we were saying before we came on, still recovering from Cleveland. It felt like summer in Cleveland over the weekend, so the weather is turning for the better. So much summer that you even got to meet new friends again. <laughs> Again, I don't know how people are happening, man. People are certainly accusing me of stalking the Blue Jays, but that is not the case. We left our hotel going down towards the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the first person we see running, wearing Blue Jays stuff, shouts, let's go Blue Jays at us, and we realized when he got closer, oh my God, Charlie Montoya. So we talked to him for about five minutes, and he went on his run. That's too cool that he actually literally shouted out to you, and you're like, oh, snap. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, you're Charlie Montoya. I see this guy running in Blue Jay gear. I'm like, oh, interesting. So gets a little closer. He says, yes, let's go Blue Jays. And even closer, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Charlie. That is, I think that speaks to his character and what he's building around this team 100%. And for you getting the benefit, even as a fan, that's even well more above and beyond on the whole thing, man. <laughs> well, I think he's getting his first taste of how well Blue Jay fans travel. I mean, you know, obviously, being in Rochester, how close Cleveland is, but even to from Burlington, just outside of Toronto, to take a go train from there, it's only about a four-hour, three-and-a-half-hour drive. So a lot of Blue Jay fans are there on the weekend, which is nice to see. So I'm sure Charlie loves that as well. Yeah, it almost looked like a, when they were panning over the stands watching the game over the weekend, it almost looked like a Canada Day kind of like in the field because every, all the Indians yeah. guys are wearing the uh, the red and then you <laughs> got all the blue mixed in. It's, it was kind of interesting to see that, you know, panned across the stands like that. But there was definitely a good share of Blue Jay blue poured into all that red right there in uh, Cleveland. So yeah. but speaking of that fun, you might have had fun outside the ballpark, Brendan. <laughs> But... Yeah, not not so much in the ballpark. <laughs> How many beers? <laughs> uh, we had to have quite a few by the end of the game to uh, to get through that. But the Cleveland fans were very friendly, made a few friends, so it was a good around. It was all around good experience, despite losing seven to two. Yeah, that was one of the uh, more fun towns I went for a ball game. As far as what I at least went there when it was Jacobs Field, when it was really thumping with Lofton and Albert Bell and whatnot. The first time I went there, you couldn't get tickets to that ballpark for like the first ten years. It was, you know, around. It was insane. Yeah. Well, it's it, back then too. It was all the new shiny because it, it's a bit of an older stadium, right? They've had to do a, a lot of renovations to it even since I was there in 2012 uh, for the season opener, but. Uh, Back then, yeah, it was a shiny new thing, right in downtown Cleveland. It's great. brings in a lot of people. It was a good crowd on, on Saturday. I think, as we mentioned, all the Blue Jay fans, they all drove in. Probably did the same thing as us. Left work on Friday, came back on Sunday. Yeah, too easy. Did you happen to just go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame while you were in town? We didn't. We, uh, it was too expensive for our liking. We wanted to be as fiscally responsible as possible. <laughs> but yeah. uh, well, we, we went around there. Baseball, beer, rock and roll, what do you... <laughs> 
<laughs> you guys balance the money somewhere. If you happen to be in town for longer than a day, I will recommend it. It is pretty fun. In yeah, I, I heard it. I've heard it's really good. Sarah, my girlfriend, has been there inside there before, and she said it was great. But now we just went and took a a picture with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame sign or whatever was up there. Actually, it just says Rock and Roll. And then uh, the next day we went back down there to take a picture with the Cleveland sign. But uh, that was the extent of our tourism. The rest was just drinking and having a good time. Which is nothing wrong with it. That's what we strive for on this show. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, our, that's our motto. Yeah. Drink a few beers and hope the Blue Jays win. <laughs> exactly. Nothing more than that. And if they win, even better. So speaking of wins, before we dive into the full-on Cleveland recap, I just, you know, we got to talk today. The Blue Jays have a had a rare chance to spoil things for the reigning World Series champs, who are sadly off to the same kind of start that we are having, much to our you know pleasure, Brendan. But three and eight for the reigning World <laughs> Series champions was not expected right out of the gate here. No, and you know what? People were asking Alex Cora if they thought the way their schedule started because they had a brutal start. Eh? Like this is a very late home opener for the Red Sox. They started with three series in Seattle in Houston, I believe, or no, I got that wrong. Anyway, three West Coast teams, uh, they were out there to start the season. So they were out there for a while, but their pitching staff they looked terrible. And I think that's shown through today with how bad Chris Sale looked. And today he didn't look, I don't think he looked anywhere near as bad as he did in those first two starts. Definitely not his first two starts. The Blue Jays just found a way to chip away at every little piece of armor in the reigning World Series champs today in some of the oddest fashion that we've seen in a collective group in a Blue Jays game. I, I, honestly, and as long as I can remember, Brent. <laughs> yeah, you know what, with, with bunting and getting runners over and everything, no longer waiting for the home run. And you know what, everybody is, I, I get it, bunts aren't the greatest thing because you're sacrificing an out. I think we'll dive into a bit in a little bit. There was a bit of a questionable decision when they bunted with the runners after Richard Urania, I believe it was, or the, the scheduled batters after Urania. But, yeah, I think they, they have to do that to try to get something started. You get runners on base, get them over, and get them in. And that's exactly what they did to win today. If a team is not hitting, these are the kind of things that build slowly confidence. You know what I mean? They're baby steps onto the elevator. You know, baby steps yeah. out in the public. Baby sits in the first base. <laughs> you know, it's just you got to start somewhere. And a team that has been struggling, this is where I think they found the footing. They bottomed out. We're not going any worse. They dug in, and we're going to just finally find a way to chink back into this uh, offensive category here a little bit. And I think they did that today by showing a a collective group of ways to win yeah i agree and you know what setting runners in motion to create holes in the diamond is exactly what they did and it got through and scored some runs so wouldn't be surprised if for the next little while until some of the other key contributors or who should be key contributors start hitting but that's how they're going to have to create runs for a little bit so may not always be pretty i wouldn't classify today's win as pretty but hey they got it done and there was nothing sweeter than hearing how restless the red sox fans were getting throughout the course of that game there was literal booing in the stands on a day where they were literally handed their World Series rings <laughs> from everything going on. I just couldn't believe it. And it was all put into place when Lourdes Gurriel Jr. did a straight steal of home plate. Ain't that crazy? Shades of Kevin Pillar from a few years ago. I wasn't able to watch that live, but I heard it. I heard the call on the radio when I was at work. And I was like, oh my God, that's insane. But he took advantage of sale taking forever on on the mound, and he was going full wind up too. So that was the worst thing. Sleeping. For 
<laughs> yeah. What full wind up in the cut of sleeping and he threw the ball I don't know, twenty feet outside and Lourdes was able to come in and score. Yeah, he must have seen him coming out of the corner of his eye, because as far as a lefty is concerned, he had his back turned to him three quarters of the time. He was already halfway down the line before he even started his wind up, Brendan. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was perfect because if you see him out of the corner of your eye, you're like, oh crap, I got to accelerate my motion to try to get the ball in to get this guy out. And he yanked it 20 feet the other way or whoever bad that throw was. So that's perfectly timed. It was awesome. And it, those are the kind of things that something like that needed to happen, right? Those are the firing up the, you know, kicking everybody in the ass. This is what we can do. We are going to win some ball games. Let's do this kind of stuff and get back into that win column. Because these are the kind of things, like I said, they had to go all right today. But with what they did, Brendan, they could have scraped together, even on a rough day today, three runs. That puts yeah, them better than absolutely. they've been doing. <laughs> yeah, it uh, absolutely is in 10 hits. That's uh, what, probably the most they've had all year in the game. So... Hey, they were hitting, got guys in, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how we see wins for the next little while until some more offensive pieces start waking up at the bats. Yeah, with one exception heading into today, the all Toronto Blue Jays Major League Baseball players, mind you, have not even barely broke 200. Isn't that insane? On the batting. Everybody, <laughs> everybody basically except for Freddie Galvez, uh, who's a regular player. That's it. And hopefully... Some of the guys who got a few hits today, like Gordis Gurriel and Billy McKinney, hopefully that gets them started and getting going. They need it. They need some other people outside Freddie Galvis to start doing things. Yeah. I don't know if uh, Wilner and Wags were talking about this on the radio feed or not, but apparently they had a kind of like a town hall offensive meeting <laughs> kind of thing before the game today or during the off day yesterday. Not to really bash anybody or call anybody out because this is a collective effort of awfulness lately. <laughs> but, oh, yeah to point out the fact that, hey, this is baseball. This kind of stuff is going to happen. Remind them that these kind of things do happen, but think small. Do the little things, and then th the right things are going to happen. And I think that was you know, run true today. Well, they have to have better approaching the plate. And you know what? One thing I give Montoya props for, he didn't sugarcoat it on Sunday when they left Cleveland. He's like, this has been terrible, basically, is what he said. And things are going to change, and we're going to figure it out. So... Town hall meeting, probably talk with Guillermo Martinez, new hitting, new hitting coach. Say, hey, better approaches at the plate. You saw today. They were going the other way. They're using the center part of the diamond. So they got to start doing that to score some runs. Yeah, and not to be shined away in the what we're going to call the ensemble of offense. Matt Shoemaker, another solid start. Yeah, he only made it through five and two-thirds today, Brennan, but... One certain drop ball by a certain left fielder doesn't happen. He probably might have finished off the sixth inning pretty easily. Yeah, that was a bit of a train wreck in that play. I'm like, oh, there's a Oscar we all remember from last year. But, yeah, it is nice to see Shoemaker go out there and hold his own against a better offense. I think we talked last week. It's like, it would be nice to see Shoemaker do this against a better team, better offense, not name the Tigers or the Orioles, and he did. Went grinded through five and two-thirds, and he's 3-0. and I know there's not much in, in terms of – Pitcher wins anymore. That's pretty well proven, but at the same time, it's always nice to uh, not have a loss in your uh, win-loss record. Yeah, and then heading in today, into today, Matt Shoemaker actually had a chance at Major League history. I don't know if you heard this or they were talking about it on the radio, but Shulman actually pulled this one out, where somebody obviously on his team, if he actually pitched into the seventh inning today with no earned runs, he would have been the first Major League Baseball player to start a season with th three starts with seven innings, and no earned runs. 
And he did that yeah. pretty close. He was close. A couple home runs different right off the bat in the game, but it's interesting to see one way or the other with how Shoemaker has obviously resurged. And he obviously yeah. is reminding me of how Marco Estrada burst onto the scene a little bit in 2015. I agree with that. And that splitter continues to give hitters fits. He's healthy. I think that's the key. When Shoemaker was healthy the last year, the Angels, he was a really good starting pitcher. And unfortunately, injuries kind of derailed him the last year and a bit. So he's healthy. That splitter's rolling. I, conti- I expect Shoemaker to continue doing what he started so far already this year. Yeah. And he might have just missed out on Major League history, but there actually was something historic that happened today, Brendan. It's the two managers that started this game for the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, Charlie Montoya and Alex Cora, first managers from Puerto Rico to ever play a baseball game in the majors against each other. So awesome, especially with that whole Cuban decision that happened. We'll get into that in a bit, obviously, but... Uh... Yeah, it's nice to see, and you can tell how pumped up both Alex Cora and Charlie Montoya were. Nice moment for those two. Yeah, both class acts, as much as I want to, don't want to admit it about the Red Sox. (laughs) (laughs) Just, it it was very cool to see. They obviously were having a great time, and you could see Charlie Montoya cheering for uh, Cora during the ring ceremony and whatnot before the game. It was very, very cool to see. And like you were kind of alluding to, do you have something this awesome? building bridges in Major League Baseball, being completely torn down on the other side by a certain President Trump or Rump, whatever the hell you want to call it, <laughs> trying to be family correct man. and oriented on this show. But there's only so much yeah. anger I can bottle up. <laughs> you're I think that's, building uh, walls of... with Puerto Rico, and then you're or you're knocking down walls with Puerto Rico, and then you're building walls with the Cubans. doesn't make any uh, sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That was such a, a killer to see that decision come through yesterday. Especially for all these guys who have to defect and go through some pretty torturous and, and dangerous journeys just to get over to the Mer- uh, to the United States to play baseball, it, it, it's not good, and uh, it sucks that that's a thing. Especially in the political landscape, where it seemed like things between the U.S. and Cuba were improving, obviously not anymore. Honestly, I didn't even think it was a thing anymore, and I'm a U.S. citizen. <laughs> as far as I thought, we were just going to start being able to have you know, like the rest of the world, go to Cuba for a vacation, hang out, have a good time, (laughs) you know, have some normal things going on. But, nope, we're going to put that wall right back up. Maybe it's because he's pissed off he couldn't build the other wall. Probably. (laughs) He's got to take his anger up somewhere, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, hopefully this is something, well, obviously something Major League Baseball will continue to fight for and and, and, and have it easier for Cubans to come over and play Major League Baseball. But, uh Hopefully this won't be a thing for too much longer until maybe another president gets in in uh, what two years, a year and a half. Not soon enough. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, a lot of people think that way. <laughs> it's just, it's just like I said, it's shocking to see how good things can be with what kind of things happen today, and then you see this kind of thing literally happening in tandem with each other. I didn't even want to talk about the two of these things being related, but how do you not? <laughs> yeah, there are parallels for sure. I mean. It's unfortunate, and hopefully this gets resolved sooner rather than later, but as yeah. long as the government's in there, it's not. Baseball will hopefully ring true and make all this right, is all I'm hoping. I, I hope so. It, it's time. So, speaking of time, <laughs> why don't we dive into recapping everything here for this past weekend in Cleveland. 
and the more or less like we were talking about the offensive debacle that ensued. But on the other side of that, defense is looking good. The bullpen's been solid, Brendan, and our starting pitching has been one of the better ones in baseball. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and just some of the stats, Thursday they only had three hits, 13 strikeouts. Friday, three hits, 14 strikeouts. Saturday they got 10 hits, but they struck out 14 times. And then Sunday they had only three hits and 16 strikeouts. And the thing that sucked is those three games other than Saturday were all very close. The starters did their job again, but the offense couldn't get anything going. If the offense was hitting even a little bit better, you could easily expect maybe one win out of that, maybe even a split. And it sucks that they couldn't even get one win. But that just speaks to how bad the offensive approach has been uh, until hopefully today where it's going to start turning around. Yeah. So to summarize uh, the strikeout number that you were just putting into perspective here, and this is how cruel baseball can be, Brendan. The major league leader in strikeouts right now as a team, team with the most strikeouts, Tampa Bay Rays, only followed by the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, and the, <laughs> the I'm, pretty sure the start, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the starting staff still has the most strikeouts for pitchers in major leagues, yet the team is second most in offensive strikeouts. So, I don't know, something's got to You are correct with that statement, my friend, and funny enough, over the Tampa Bay Rays, so we flip-flopped on the right side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yeah, basically, that weekend was not very fun. There was a lot of uh, ugly-looking swings. Couldn't get anything going. Even when they had a little bit of momentum going in some of those games, they were just quickly followed by two or three strikeouts in a row to end the inning and end the threat. So too bad because they couldn't take an advantage of, uh, of the great starting pitching they continue to get. Yeah, and it's not an isolated thing with the strikeouts. I am shocked to see that Brendan Drury is leading this team in strikeouts when I also probably would imagine if they had or I could find this stat, he's also the one getting the deepest into counts out of any of the Toronto Blue Jays. It seems like yeah, every time Brent, I see him, he's 3-2. Yeah, Brendan Drury does somehow, while the strikeouts still have good at-bats up there. So you got to figure that's going to change at some point. I mean, I know it was only spring training, but he just looks so good during the course of spring training. But now... I don't know. Other than those first few games with the Tigers since then, I think he's been one of the worst hitters in the team in terms of strikes out, striking out and not putting the ball in play. And that's got to change, especially for a guy who should be hitting close to the middle, middle of the order and being able to drive in those runs. Correct. Um, you can kind of look over it with Grichik when you know he's going to at least you know, mash 20, 30 home runs a season. But somebody like Drury that's got to claw and scrape to even stay in the lineup, you know, you kind of yeah. see something. Yeah, uh, even somebody was saying today, I didn't get the contact with this because I wasn't able to see it on TV, but somebody's like, does Brandon Drury still have options by chance? <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know it should never come to that. But, yeah, like, it's just been that bad since the first game or two when he actually was hitting all right against the Tigers. Yeah, I at least I think his approach will carry him through this patch, where some of the other ones were... Watching Justin Smoke hasn't looked right X outside the couple, you know, really solid hits that he's had. Teoscar Hernandez looks like he's swinging a freaking sword. <laughs> you know, some of those things. I don't think those ones are going to maybe change as quick as Drury would because I think Drury's going to find a way to see better pitches than watching those other guys swing at random pitches I, like Gurriel especially has been doing. I agree. You know what I think the thing is with some of the veterans, at least they have a track record where you know that they're going to come out of this one, but... With the young guys who are struggling so far, it's so unpredictable. Maybe 
I'm not saying that they are this bad, but maybe they're just not as good as we all hoped and thought. There's too many young guys. It's gonna take it's gonna take a while. You know what? I think a few can have a pass. I, I not just from my bias of loving Danny Jansen, but this is his first full big league season, and he's handling a pitching staff at the major leagues for the first time. So you can kind of give Danny Jansen a pass. But Luis Gurriel, Teofra Hernandez, uh, Billy McKinney, I mean, they've got to start getting better and getting better quickly if they want to string together some more runs and take advantage of this good starting pitching. I think that's the theme so far. You just can't take advantage of how good the starters have been. So, on that note, we've dove into this far enough at this point on the Cleveland thing, I think, unless you got something to wrap. No, other than the great weather and the great time and the people that were in Cleveland, there's not a whole lot else to go into other than how miserable it all looked. And it's luck- luckily there's plenty of microbreweries around. <laughs> you were probably drowning your sorrows efficiently. <laughs> yeah, we have the Mass Head Brewing, which is pretty sweet. They got like a peanut butter and jelly stout. That was delicious. <laughs> I just, it, it, it's almost like milk and cookie time when you were here, man. <laughs> That's right. We got to get more of that stuff. Got to bring a growler over the next time you come to Toronto. I got you. <laughs> yeah, I love if that. Anybody else wants to, fu- you know, come to our collective uh, Jaybird drinking fest? <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure that out Every, too. <laughs> everybody's welcome to Rochester Toronto. <laughs> so before we dive too far into it at least the Danny Jansen number I don't think he's too shockingly I think he's probably at what his normal strikeout rate is where all these other guys are up down all over the place what do you think yeah I I agree and you know what Danny Jansen he's made a lot of early outs and counts but at least he's putting the ball in play a little bit and it's not like he's striking out a horrendous amount of totals. So some of those balls he put in play will eventually find holes and get hits. But uh, other guys, a lot of weak contact until the day from Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And Billy McKinney's been striking out a lot too. But hopefully the two hits that both Lourdes and uh, Billy McKinney got today, hopefully that gets them kick-started. Especially when McKinney, a uh, lefty, was facing one of the best left-handers in baseball. And Chris Hale that he was able to get two knots. Yeah, he actually hung in there on the few bats I saw very well, which is saying something. I don't like. I, I don't care what anybody says. I think Chris Sale is going to be just fine, and this is a rough start to a season. Period. You know, he threw a lot of innings last year. He's got to get it. Maybe there's something a little off in his mechanics. Something is going to all of a sudden click, and we're going to see Chris Sale all over again. So, yeah, seeing it, it, hang, is, it is great. It is a pleasure to see Chris Sale pitch well, uh, even though that's usually against the Jays. But the only th- the only reason for concern people would have with him is his velocity has been down a ton throughout the course of this season. So maybe that's a sign of things, but it's also been cold weather in places he's been pitching. So we'll have to see how that all shakes and folds. So team MVP at this point, who are you giving to or what? You know, 12 games in for the most part here? 14? And from an offensive standpoint, I think that's pretty easy. I think it's Freddie Galvis by a mile. Imagine, I don't even want to know how poor this offense would look without Freddie Galvis' contribution. The thing that sucks is Galvis probably isn't going to continue to hit at this level because he hasn't throughout the course of his major league career. But, I mean, they, he's really saved the offense at this point, so I'm giving it to Freddie Galvis. Yeah, he does have one hell of a wild card this year that he has not had in previous seasons in any of his major league baseball career. He is playing in the American League East. He is. That's shown with some of the power already. Exactly, and that's the only reason I'm wondering. And I'm not saying he's going to be the best shortstop in baseball by any stretch. But a guy that has had sneaky power his whole career has only played in Philadelphia and San Diego, which is one of the biggest ballparks in all of baseball. Yeah, I can't remember how many home runs he hit last year, but I'm pretty sure he's already a third of the way there. 
in terms of how many home runs he hit with San Diego last year. I'll have to look that up. But no, it's good. It's nice to see. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think he may have gotten 20 one year. I could be wrong on that, but still, the point remains. Gallus may be able to actually have a better season offensively than we all thought. And hopefully, he continues to hit at a good level. I don't expect this level of production, but if he continues doing something along the lines of what he's doing right now, that's a huge boost. Personally, I'm completely fine with the stat line I'm looking at here where he would be double digits in home runs. His peak in his career was in 2016 with the Phillies with 20. Yes. Give me two, Give me somewhere ten, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, sprinkle in 60 to 70 RBIs here and bat around 250. That's all. That's, That's nice. well above his pay grade. <laughs> and he, you know what? He's actually walked a decent amount so far too, which is something he hasn't necessarily done throughout his career. So if he continues that, he should be in, in. He could be in line for a career. He could be, and it'll be interesting to see if the rest of the Blue Jays, you know, if he's the leadership person like they've been t- speaking of him so highly about. How many of the rest of the Blue Jays hitters are going to follow suit and see? Hey, this is working for Freddie. I got to get into doing some of those good at bats just like that. Yeah, I'll give Smoke a pass as well. Just kind of touching on him later. He's been dealing with, I think, that stiff neck for a while now. So hopefully when that issue is all behind him, he'll be uh, back to the Justin Smoke wheel. I've come to know and love the last few years. Do you think he hits the IL after tomorrow if he's not feeling good with the, the off day uh, on Wednesday? I don't know, because he was in the lineup on Saturday. I don't think he did anything on Saturday, but I don't think he played Sunday or yesterday. Or sorry, today, which he did. So, no, he I don't did know. not play I don't... since Saturday. Yeah, and I think he got lifted on Saturday as well. So... Yeah, I I don't think I, I don't think he'll be I don't think he'll have to go on the injured list. Um, I, I don't think so. But I guess if it worsens somehow, then he might have to. Yeah, and in all reality, at least it's retroactive, right? So they'll get back to yeah. Saturday. So that minimum ten days, I believe, is still regardless of the IL thing now, and the name change. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so the name change. It might not be the worst idea. It gives you a chance to let Roddy Telez play let the play center or play first base a little bit more. Maybe we can get somebody else like Anthony Alford back up here to throw into the mixer a little bit of something, and then you can have Billy McKinney kind of tandem maybe at first base with Telez somehow. I don't know. Throwing ideas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt. I mean, if he has to, then it could be retroactive to. I guess maybe they could retroactive it to Sunday since he hasn't played since then. So just get another body up here for a little while. And that could be a pitcher, but never know. Um, I'd be fine with Anthony Offer coming back up here. Yeah, I just figure right now they need somebody that's got some lumber. <laughs> and yeah. in the minor leagues, man, maybe that's where we take our segue here. <laughs> we missed our, our our opportunity to meet up in Buffalo this Sunday due to you know drinking problems and business, <laughs> which are both yeah, and we for and, both ended up last. Ended up last minute going to Cavaliers game, which started at three, so we didn't leave Cleveland until about six p.m. But uh, oh, wow. nice. yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, there's some uh, good offensive performances so far, namely from uh, Kevin Biggio. Yes, and minor league MVP has to go to Kevin Biggio at this point. We're talking two home runs, three RBIs, and I think this is the more telling of the guys: fifteen total bases so far in just yeah. two games. I have that exact stat written down, the 15 total bases uh, through a few games. And, I mean, he's slugging a uh, very small sample size, but, I mean, his flash line, 438, 571, and 938 slugging percentage. So, turn the cover off the ball. Did you see the one other stat that kind of jumps off the page that is not super characteristic of Cabin Vigio? 
that he doesn't have any doubles so far. That one is very shocking, but five walks in five games. Yeah, be nice if he could continue that for a little while. You know what, he's going to force his way up here sooner rather than later, and people are starting to say, could start seeing Kevin Bijou up here before we even see Vlad or Bo up here this year, which I don't think would be too much of a shock. Well, on that scene, we're going to talk Bo now because you brought it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank he you, was batting an even 100 during tonight's game that is currently going on uh, while we're recording this podcast. 20 at-bats only has two hits, man. I know it's early in the season. Yeah. It has been cold as shit in Buffalo until today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. You know what? Another level. We saw him struggle last year when he uh, got up to New Hampshire for the first time, and then he just scorched toilet cover off the ball uh, after he got adjusted to double-A pitching. So it might be a bit of a slow start for Bo, but as long as he's still playing good defense, he will figure it out with the bat. He's too good to not. So he will. He'll figure it out. It's, yeah. it's still really early, really small sample sizes, but uh, hopefully he gets going soon. And again, he could uh, enforce their hand in getting up here uh, sooner rather than we all expect. Now, if you want to kind of put in perspective the Buffalo Bisons offense, just listen to this. The three best hitters on the Buffalo Bisons right now, the only players that are batting above 235. We already talked Kevin Biggio. It's Roman Fields. And then somebody that you probably never even heard of in Andy Burns. I've heard of Andy Burns, but I don't know too much about him. I saw his stat line kind of jump out at me when I was looking at the stats earlier. But, hey, it's nice to see. Maybe Andy Burns gets up here at some point. You never know. Round 11. 2011 uh, draft pick for the Blue Jays. Somebody that's kind of been a little bit here, there, all over the place throughout his minor league season. One of those guys that could click, kind of click, never was going to click. <laughs> you know, it's like we have no idea what's going to happen. Kind of like Kevin Pilar, how he made his uh, journey through the minor league. The late, later draft pick, who just kind of, kind of kept on grinding it out and ended up getting up here. Yeah, the biggest thing. He didn't play in the minors, and I think he actually might have went overseas to Japan or something. I can't recall. I never got the whole story out of it, but he hadn't played in the Toronto system since 2016. Until this yeah, year. that's coming back to me now. You're right. He did go play somewhere else for a little while. I want to say it was Korea for some reason. Yeah, something like that. I mean, he did pretty well over there, so maybe he was able to find something and uh, start having a click. Yeah, so far so good for him. And um, was one of those guys that, like you said, kind of jumps off the page after five games, batting 353 with a home run and four RBIs. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And you know one guy who, looking at the other side of the ball, started opening day for the Bison, somebody who we thought could maybe have a very small outside chance of cracking this team, Jacob Wagenpack. Got off to a great start when he started an opening day for the Bison. Yeah, and uh, funny enough, they haven't updated the stat line because he actually pitched yesterday. Um, he only threw four innings, but um, I think that was due to the weather more than anything. Um, they're playing the uh, Portland Sea Dogs, which is south of Boston. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, but he looked good in both starts. I actually had the pleasure of watching the game, at least on the minor league TV, with Wadges Pack p- pitching the opening day. He yep. looked good, man. It just everything was low in the zone and just kept pounding it, and really held a talented uh, Yankees minor league system and the Rail Riders in check during that game too. Yeah, uh, I'm all for. I mean, they they do need more starters to start pitching better down in the minors because of that gap between the elite arms that are in the system. And if Wagestack continues getting off to the good start he was, they need another starter down the road. Maybe if a guy like 
Clay Buckles, who's going to make his Blue Jay debut on Saturday, um, or some of those other guys, maybe an injury happens, which I hope isn't the case, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see Wagaspak up here making a spot start maybe by June or so. Yeah, I was honestly, I was shocked to hear that news about Buckholz starting on Saturdays. I watched his uh, whole outing on Sunday on minor league TV. And he didn't look very good, did he? It was there was flashes, and I could see why the Blue Jays were very interested and probably got him at a bargain rate, in all reality. But those balls, all those earned runs, he he, he allowed four home runs, man. Yeah. <laughs> in one outing. <laughs> It's kind of like okay, the Buffalo ballpark isn't a, isn't a little ballpark. It's a bigger it, ballpark. It's got those big walls, and the outfield is the big thing. And so, it, it, as far as you know, outfield measurements, it's I think it's very similar to the Rogers Center. But as far as those extra walls, they're not like the ones in the outfield for uh, the Blue Jays outfield. They're more in that ballpark of going like mid-green monster all the way around the ballpark. Because it's in a really weird spot downtown in Toronto, or downtown in Buffalo where they actually have to put netting up to keep it from yeah. bouncing on the one road. And honestly, I couldn't believe Vlad didn't launch over that netting on a couple of occasions last year as he came pretty <laughs> close. <laughs> Dang a car when it's driving by going towards the Key Bank Center. <laughs> exactly. And that is the exact road. It runs down toward all the Pearl Street Brewery and whatnot. That is right there over the left field wall. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, man, Vlad was powering that hotel in New Hampshire. That road's <laughs> toast. Somebody's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Well, great. Good thing that wasn't the case. But, uh, yeah, no, I definitely I hear that for sure. I did not get the biggest warm and fuzzy feelings about watching the Colts during that outing. I hope that, you know, he's probably up with the club now, working out with the major league guys and whatnot, especially as, or, you know, at least up in the Toronto, you know, doing his thing. I would think that he's yeah. got to be getting ready for that start, and I'm just hoping that he and Jansen somehow get on page from their little bit of spring training working that they had, and he keeps that ball down like we know he can do, and we don't see what we did to him a few times in the past in the Fenway Park. Yeah, you know what? I think he's ready to go 90 pitches, I heard. And he was up today. He was in the clubhouse uh, in Boston, so he was there for all that Good. with his former team. But... Uh, yeah, I think he's good to go for 90 pitches, and I think they just like, if he's ready to go for 90, veteran guy who can go out there and get you some outs, five to six innings, and uh, that would be better than throwing Thomas Pannon out there potentially for another start, because Pannon didn't look overly good on Saturday. Yeah, and that was one of those other, like, similar to that outing I was talking about with Buckholz, that was a flashy back, you know, he had flashes back and forth, <laughs> like good, bad, here, there. <laughs> Because there were some innings I thought I looked pretty good, and then all of a sudden it's like the hamster fell off the wheel for Pernone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. He, yeah, he had some flashes. Definitely not as good as uh, when he came in for Sean Reed Foley against Baltimore, but he, I think he held his own all right. They didn't want to push him too much because he's not built up for that quite yet, pitching out of the bullpen. And I think they kind of like him right now and where he is. He's a long guy out of the pen who can come in, give you two to three innings, and, and go one time through a lineup. I don't think Pernone at this point is good enough to go – through the lineup a second time. Yeah, and then these are all things that's learning experience, especially for him being a lefty. He's very valuable out of that bullpen, but he's going to learn how to get Major League ba batters out out of those innings like you were just talking. For sure. Just take some time. He's got to develop another secondary pitch to go along with uh, what he currently has in his arsenal. But I like him in the world that he's in, coming yeah. in for Sean Reed Foley in that game against Baltimore. Meanwhile, Sean Reed Foley... <laughs> 
<laughs> he got rocked. Oh my god, dude. It's it's getting hard to watch, and I know he's so much better than this. It's starting to look like uh, a couple of years ago when he was just getting into double A, where you'd see four horrible outings, and all of a sudden he'd be like, oh my god, he's the best pitcher in baseball, and then back to that same awful trend. I, yeah. It's back to that wildness that we saw two years ago with him, and we know he can do much much better. I don't. I hope he figures out whatever little hitch is giving him that wildness in his uh, delivery because there is something playing with his mechanics, and I I didn't see it. I don't know. There's got to be something there, though. Yeah, that and his confidence must be absolutely shot right now. I get. I, I get. He was probably very amped up to get up here to make that start against Baltimore when it didn't go his way. Just went back down. I think that probably stuck with him when he went back out there against the Bison. I mean, hopefully he gets sorted out soon because I do like Sean Reed Foley. He's got good stuff, and I don't want to shoehorn him into a bullpen role this early in his career. So, let's, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop it down for a couple more minor league pegs. You can follow on because <laughs> I know that you're you're I'm the minor league guru, as Ari's <laughs> name. Yes. <laughs> so, um. There's some good things going on in this system, man. And regardless of the, I think, weird offensive stuff that's going on in Buffalo, too, because we know what Boba Shett and everybody are going to hit, and then Vlad's going to be there in the you know, very, very near future, it sounds like, because he's quote-unquote ahead of schedule people, so get excited. Vlad, watch. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> he did make one um, rehab assignment start with the Dean Blue Jays, and then I haven't heard anything on Vlad, watch sense. I think he's played three games to this point, and he's looked pretty well. He's still hitting like the Vlad Jr. we know. But you know what they said today? I missed it. Yeah, I think he's played three so far. But I think they asked Montoya about that yesterday, or maybe on Sunday. And they said, we're not going to rush the guy. I mean, it's cold up in Buffalo, so Gavin's more at best down in warm Florida. And then when he gets up to Buffalo, it'll be for a few weeks. And then at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if Vlad, we don't see him until maybe the middle of May or towards the end of May at this point. If they're going to yeah. take it slow. Yeah, we can just watch him no... just destroy Florida State League pitching, which has been, it's... honestly, a very entertaining thing to watch overall in general. <laughs> and exactly. the Blue Jays are rolling even without him doing a ton right now. So we'll get that in two seconds. But just wanted to jump through some quick highlights from minor leagues past the Buffalo Bisons. Um, so far, your main performers in New Hampshire Fisher Cat land, where they're doing pretty good, too, looking like champions at this point still. Joshua Palacios and uh, Ryan Hissey are pretty much the offense <laughs> so far. Palacios has, has a home run, two RBIs, and ten total bases, very similar to somebody else we were just talking about. Mr. Captain. <laughs> yeah. And on the other side of the ball, Patrick Murphy got the start on opening day, only threw four innings, but looked very, very impressive. He's on the 40-man roster. And so did Yesni Diaz the other night, pitching six innings of scoreless baseball, Brendan. Allows just yeah. one hit, five strikeouts. I know you've been high on Yesni Diaz for a while, so I, I did see that start get uh, retweeted onto my timeline. I read that, and I thought of you instantly. It's like, I know Craig's going to be very happy about this. And Patrick Murphy, too. The one guy I did see, I believe he pitched well when he was out there. Was Zach Lowe as well? Yes, and he did also from, pitch six scoreless innings too, but he didn't get the win like Diaz did. I was going to just talk to him. But, yeah, impre very impressive pitching that's going on in New Hampshire. I think there's – I'm pretty sure people have said this already. The front office is very much excited about the double-A rotation at this point, and why wouldn't you be? 
when he got Yandy Diaz and Patrick Murphy and Zach Logue, who I don't know too much about, but uh, people are saying this guy could uh, play his way up to Buffalo by the end of the year as well. Yeah, he um kind of played low on the radar with the Lansing Lugnuts last year and then got into Dunedin and didn't overly impress, but pitched well, you know? So yeah, all of a sudden, I think he's finally found that his his control and he was that's where his big thing is with everything so him coming into it that was the biggest problem with Yesney Diaz that has some really nasty stuff and honestly I was wondering if he didn't carry this season as a starting pitcher if he was going to be destined to be a bullpen you know burning <laughs> burning churn through the line <laughs> of a rotation but um nasty stuff and then you throw in Francisco Rios who's been a mainstay in New Hampshire for the last more or less year and a half pitched five yep. and two-thirds scoreless innings as well Andrew Spoko, Subco um Mark, Russell Martin trade correct yes that's right they got Subco from Russell Martin so he's only allowed one earned run and then Taylor Sacito allows only one run <laughs> this is kind of insane stuff <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? There, as we said earlier, there's a gap right now in the minor leagues in terms of quality starting pitching from the majors down to probably double A. So if some of those guys step up and force their way to Buffalo uh, midseason, then that's nothing but good things for this organization long term. Yeah, and that wasn't even uh, without getting into Hector Perez, who's only had one start and got rocked. <laughs> <laughs> um, those other great. guys I was talking about are technically relievers right now. Sacito. Rios and um, who was the other one? Oh no, that's right. Uh, Subco did get the start, um, but it's encouraging when you got guys that are like that that are actually good starters playing in relief roles currently because they have too many starting pitchers, quote unquote, in New Hampshire right now. It's not a bad thing. The one thing Ralph Atkins always says is you can never have enough quality starting pitching in your organization. Yep. And just to go down to Dunedin and chit-chat on that really quick, things are looking good down there as well. The offense has carried them to a 4-1 and one victor- er, record so far, and we're getting all kinds of offense, Brendan. Um, there's, let me count here real quick, four guys with over three RBIs already, and another four that have two. One of those guys that is not in that category is Vlad, only being in three parts of three games. But... Riley Adams has been playing really well. Ryan Noda is doing a little bit more than hit or walking so far. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's favorite Ryan Noda, who does nothing but walk. <laughs> yeah, and um, he's batting the mere, uh, where was it, 313 so far. <laughs> I know it's only in four games, but still looking good. And then the guy that I'm looking forward to watching more and more of this season is Cal Stevenson. Last year's... Yeah. Uh, draft pick that I got to see in Bluefield but this kid's got some crazy good stuff and he's off to a little bit of a rocky start but he's still been finding a way to contribute with three RBIs regardless of a sub 200 uh, batting average at the moment Keep it going. People are going to be paying attention to the minor league a ton this year and they continue to have standout performances people are are finally going to start to see that this front office has quietly put together a very very good minor league system and I just got to touch on the Lansing Lugnuts because I got to give props to my buddy Jesse, who's been calling some really cool action so far this season. And Otto Lopez, Jordan Groshans, your high end of your uh, offensive categories and doing insane stuff. Otto Lopez has four RBIs and three stolen bases already, including a home run. So Awesome. Yeah, Groshans is... Uh... 
uh, they took him last year in the draft, I believe, with their first round pick, and he is going to rise quite quickly. And they're high on him in the front office, and we get started to see why. Pair of doubles out of his five hits already. Excellent. <laughs> that extra big power he's got is uh, a lot. So, and then actually another recent draft pick has two home runs, and those are pretty much the only two hits he has so far this season. Hagen Danner and Lansing as well. So another catcher for those of you not keeping track. <laughs> <laughs> Can never have enough quality catchers either. So, Brendan, I'm out. <laughs> well done, minor league guru. That was a good summation of what's gone on so far in the system. Yeah, I, just, I figured it would be fun to have a quick, hey, pay attention to the, these couple names over the last week and see where you, some of the fans can ride it out. You know, I think there's a lot of good reasons, especially if the team is struggling like it has been over the last week. Uh, my wife was making fun of me because I had my two computer screens on Sunday on the New Hampshire Fisher Cats and the Buffalo Bisons, and I had the main TV on the Blue Jay game. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad thing. Keep tabs with everywhere. I'm running out of screens. <laughs> I need more. Got to get you some more computers or something. Exactly. So, but anyway, what's on the burners for you, my friend? You got more road trips, more meetings with random ass players. I. <laughs> What? I think I gotta continue. It seems like it's a once per week thing. So maybe you might as well plug what you're gonna be doing with our other friend tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, with uh, South of the Six with Mr. Corsair tomorrow night. Always a good time with him, and uh, probably talk about a lot of the same stuff we touched on tonight. So hopefully, I'll bring in a lot of the stuff that we talked about and uh, continue trying to paint a better picture from what it's been at the major league level so, so far. I think we saw the flash of what it's gonna be going forward here I think they really I think the, if the players hadn't bought into any of this stuff before today it's officially on now I agree and uh, we're going to see that in a little while until the bats get going yep and hey that's it, this. the way I saw it they actually played a baseball game today they weren't I waiting agree. for the home run yeah it was finally a good all around effort on all sides of the ball not just hit, waiting for the home run ball if they gonna... created some runs so got to continue to do that if they're going to be a 500 team, like I predicted, this is kind of the stuff I was hoping they were going to be doing this year. Otherwise, my frickin' uh, prediction is going to be nuked. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully not. <laughs> but everybody contributed. It looked very, very good in Boston today. And I hope on Thursday, after you guys get to listen to this Wednesday wallop, that they get the chance to do that. And actually, Brendan, we for forgot to talk about the preview of the Thursday game. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Sanchez going against... Uh... Blake and I, who started for the Red Sox on uh, on Thursday. Oh, it's Nathan Navaldi, who's also got off to a terrible start, much like Chris Sale. So That's all Red Sox. They could... <laughs> and they've hit, yeah, exactly. And they've hit Navaldi well in the past, so hopefully they can continue that trend. And another guy who throws gas that they can uh, turn up some fastballs, and maybe we'll see another Freddie Galvis home run. Yeah. Um, I just think it's funny when I'm looking at the preview on MLB.com right now that the only person that actually has a hit out of the projected lineup against Evaldi is Danny Jansen. And his one at bat, he's been a 1,000 against Nathan Evaldi. <laughs> so that's just going to continue on uh, Thursday, right? That's a no-brainer, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Bet on it. So, all right. Anything else cooking, man? I don't think so. What's going on with Mr. Corsair tomorrow and continue to uh, build our loyal listeners over here at uh, the Wednesday Wallop and Jaybird watching. 
You ready to take that official co-host thing on the uh, distribution thing and actually start doing some morning matches and all the other shit too? <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna try it out this morning, but it is damn cold on the walk up uh, to work this morning. But I have in my Twitter bio updated it to say co-host of Wednesday Wallop on Jaybird Watching. I assume that that's out. why Adam actually used that in his plug today. <laughs> That's right. I told him to. He messaged me. It's like, yeah, use this instead. Don't mention anywhere else. I'll make sure I change that on our official profile now too. So I'll be like, it'll be Absolutely. Craig Borden and Brendan Panagar. Boom. There you go. Watching. Absolutely. <laughs> it's full on here. You f- you heard it first here, fans. <laughs> so, Brendan, it's always a pleasure. I'm glad we get to do this fun every week. And yeah, so it's just as good as that. Exactly, my bud. My my buddy. We'll continue to do this next week, and hopefully have some more wins to talk about. Hopefully. We'll be. Keep the mantra going. we got to roll with this. <laughs> Keep on winning. If you build it, we will come type thing, right? <laughs> That's right. Get some excitement going. It'd be nice to actually talk about some happy stuff for a change, other than a four-game sweep. Other than wait for Vlad. <laughs> exactly. it has got to be something else other than just waiting for Vladdy to get up here. Well, it's almost Burt Reynolds' night in Lansing, just saying. <laughs> Look forward to that. <laughs> so, anyway, Blue Jays fans, now you've heard it here officially. Brendan Panikar and I are completely tying the knot here with Jaybird watching. We're going to have a good time here bringing you all the Blue Jays action you possibly could ha- have. We're going to have morning matches. We're going to have fan chats. We're going to have more Wednesday wallops and any other breaking news that we possibly happen to stumble across. Um, we will eventually figure out another live game for us to do, Brendan. Yeah, now that I'm in, a, in the master bedroom now, got the TV on right here with MLB Network. That is uh, definitely on the docket for uh, a live game. There you go. So, And we did pretty good in the last one on Facebook, but I think I'm uh, figured out finally how to move it to Twitter where actually all our followers are. <laughs> so we'll see how that hardware fun works. But until then, make sure you hit those subscribe buttons on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasting pleasures for. I'm Craig Borden. Here's my buddy, Brendan Panikar, and we are Jaybird watching. Until then, let's go Blue Jays. Let's go Jays. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.